just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Today on CityCast Salt Lake, some would argue that the affordability crisis in Park City has been raging since the O2 Olympics. And that means a lot of Park City workers are our neighbors in Salt Lake. Last week, I talked to journalist Gloria Liu about how to save a ski town and some of the creative solutions being explored in the West. Today, we zoom in on Park City with KPCW reporter Parker Malatesta because there are some very specific and very interesting housing projects on the table. Today's Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. I'm Ali Bayarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Parker Malatesta, your last name is Italian slang for stubborn. Did you know that? I didn't know it was slang for stubborn. I knew it meant bad head, or at least that's what I've been told. It is slang for someone who's stubborn or difficult to deal with. And I want to ask you if that is also how you would describe living in and reporting on Park City. (laughs) At times, certainly. But it's a great place, but it's certainly changing a lot. And I think you could certainly say it's gotten more stubborn. Yeah. So one of the biggest local stories that you've been reporting on in general is Park City Ski Town affordability crisis. Who specifically does this impact and how? Yeah, I think it impacts... The people who want to live here and whether that's the workers and then on the flip side of that, the local businesses and, and and not just local businesses. I mean, you know, we have two massive corporations that operate here in Vail Resorts and, and Altera, mm. and it, it impacts them as well because they, they struggle to house their workers. And in turn, it, it can hurt our local economy on some level. I mean, our local economy is booming. You know, sales tax is through the roof, but it, yeah. it is certainly becoming harder and harder And we really rely on so many commuters to make this place flow. I mean, we're the only city in Utah that has a workforce larger than our actual population, which is in Park City limits, roughly 8,000. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I guess we know that down here in Salt Lake because a lot of our friends and neighbors commute up that pass every day to work. And it can be kind of scary in the winter. It's (laughs) Certainly. And I think a lot of people view Salt Lake as a two-edged sword because... It houses a lot of our workforce, but at the Mm -hmm. same time, it, you know, a lot of people from Salt Lake like to come up to Park City. And so it creates a lot of traffic. But I think when you look at ski towns across the country, you know, one example is Sun Valley. And, you know, they don't have a major metro area half an hour away. And and I think the situation there in a way is a lot more dire than what it is here. Or it, it just could be a lot worse here than it is. Well, let's talk about solutions. Last week, we talked to Gloria Liu about Vail's deed restriction program, only to find out that Park City is basically piloting the exact same thing with, as I understand it, a slightly smaller budget. Can you give us a quick refresher on the program? And then how are things playing out in Summit County? Yeah, I mean, in general, that program's really, the ball's just rolling on that. I mean, the city's only budgeted 
about a million dollars. So essentially it would compensate them about 10 to 20% property owners, 10% of their property's value to essentially put a deed on it to restrict it from being a short-term rental. You know, I think it'll be interesting to see what the housing team here at the city sees in response to that. I know that budget they only expect to do for four or five properties. So you're really not talking a large change, but whoa. I think it's more testing the demand and you know, they're they're very innovative over there. And I think they're just trying to give it a try and see how it works out. But I think if it was successful, they would certainly pump more money into it because it, it is a priority at City Hall. Yeah. Okay. Four or five. So that would essentially pull like up to five Airbnbs off the market then, this pilot program? Yeah. And, you know, if you want to talk Airbnbs, you know, the Kempsey Gardner Institute, they did a report earlier this year trying to judge how many there are, which is not easy, right? Because there are a lot of unlicensed properties, but they found that 43% of Park City's total housing stock is short-term rentals. But I talked to the report's author and, you know, he said it's surely an undercount. And, you know, a lot of properties flip around here as well. You know, people will offer a long-term rental during the summer. And then once it hits November 1st, it's like, you got to leave because I'm going to turn this thing into an Airbnb because the profit yeah. margins were stupid. Mm-hmm. But you can come back at the end of January for Sundance. <laughs> yeah, totally. Or when the ski season's over. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So they haven't dumped money into this program, the steed restriction program yet. They're running a pilot. If it works, if it's well-received, does Park City have the money to, to build a bigger program? Do they have the same kind of money that Vail has? You know, I haven't looked at Vail's city budget, so I, I don't know if I could accurately answer that. But I, I think the city has certainly made housing a priority. I mean, just last night at city council, they purchased a home and they're going to try to turn it into what could be uh, for a city employee for about, I think it's a three bedroom home hmm. to flip that for, for them. So th- the priority is there. And I, I think, you know, we've dealt with labor shortages, especially last year and last winter that I think people understand it's a vital need. And it, I think people are starting to recognize the line there between housing and labor and how it impacts and traffic, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, maybe we could pull the NIMBYs in on the traffic problem. It's interesting because like when we think about affordability crises, I think like my mind goes to like servers, bartenders, like, you know, people that work on the mountain. But you're telling me the city itself is having to figure out how to house its own employees. Like the bureaucrats can't afford to live in Park City. Yeah. You know, actually, I think about when you look at our fire district, the Park City Fire District, which is obviously a vital service. You know, we dealt yeah. with the Pirelli's Canyon Fire. I don't know how long ago that was. I guess a, a little over a year. I want to say two or three firefighters live within Park City limits. So mm. there was a conversation between the Summit County Council and the Park City Council earlier this year where they really felt like that had to be the first priority because it's like, what if there was a wildfire right in town? It's like, and we don't have the firefighters. There's actually one firefighter I know that commutes from Manti. <sighs> what? So... It's just, yeah, there's a, there's a dire need to house the very essential workers. But yeah, also those city workers. I know there's a fair amount of them, and I would say a majority of them most likely live in the Salt Lake Valley. Do you live in Park City? I do. I'm lucky. And that's <laughs> what I tell people. That's the best way to find housing in Park City is to just get lucky, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe you'll win the lottery like our friend Samora. Totally. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is When I Come Alive. 
It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court, and this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you wanna learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. So Park City isn't just exploring like programs that incentivize housing. They want to try building their own. Can you tell me about this project Homestake? What does this project look like? What's the timeline? Yeah, Homestake's a huge win for the city. So if people know Park City, there's this triangle parking lot. It's kind of behind the Boneyard Saloon. Okay. And it's near the Kimball Art Center and like uh-huh. Ritual Chocolate, the cafe, if you know that place. And so it's kind of this lot, this really random triangle lot. I think it probably has about 150-ish spots. And so the city owned that land and they essentially invited a developer to come in hmm. and build on it. And so they they approved this project earlier this year. It's going to have 123 units. And I think an important piece of that is, I believe it's 20% are going to be market rate. And that's a big thing around here is they want to have that mix to where most of it is affordable, but they also... I think it's kind of a quality thing of saying, you know, hmm. we're going to have people that are paying retail price to live here. So... I think by doing that, they expect a, a higher bar in terms of, oh. you know what I mean? Is that code for it won't be poor people? Is that what you're getting at? You know what? There's certainly some local politicians that have said <laughs> yeah. that verbatim. So it's not like they're hiding from that. It's okay. certainly the point. I don't think the AMI has been nailed down, but it'll be around 80% of AMI. But 80% AMI in some county, which is area median income, is about $75,000 for mm-hmm. one person's single income, which is pretty inflated. I know, at least compared to Wasatch County. It's funny because I think a lot of people don't realize like affordable housing, like they think really, really low income workers. And it's it's not like it's me. And it's <laughs> a lot yeah. of other people that just make like average salary. Because right. it's just so inflated in Summit County. Yeah. You're not a casual millionaire. Right. But Homestake, they think it could be ready by 2024. I know they're planning on starting to build it in 2023. It's also worth giving a shout out to 
Summit County and Canyons Village did a similar public-private partnership. And if you're driving down SR-224, which is the road you get off at I-80 if you're going to go into town, and you look in Canyons, you're going to see these big apartment buildings going up. Hmm. And that's the same thing. And they actually... Uh, they have that, you know, it's a waterfall provision, which essentially sets the rules for who who gets top priority to live there. Oh, okay. Canyons Village employees are the highest rank. So I think that goes back to the traffic thing. It's oh. supplying workforce, but it's also giving them a place to live where they don't need a car. You yeah. have bus lines right there. Your work is right there if you're going to be working at the resort. And I know Vail Resorts has actually, they've master leased about 400 something units as well. And it was originally intended to be ready by next ski season, but they're expected to have around 300 beds. The latest I was told this week by by New Year. So I I think that's a big win as well. Yeah. I mean, I've been a Park City commuter employee before when I first moved to Utah was to work at Sundance. And I can tell you, like, one of the most painful things about commuting into Park City is knowing full well how damn good the bus system is. Like the Park City bus system's Excellent. So like if you live in the city, you're in good shape. Yeah, no, I, I'm like I said, I'm lucky enough to live there and I, I hate driving, but I also just <laughs> yeah. I don't drive ever. So it's amazing. I have the bus. I can walk. You can bike. Yeah, I think it'd be hard to compare some other small towns that have transit systems as robust as Park Cities. It's really it's really impressive. There's one other project I want to touch on, which is what they want to do with the Yarrow. Mm hmm which is basically this hotel that's like kind of on the left when you're driving into Park City. I care a lot about what happens there because it's my favorite bar during Sundance is the Yarrow <laughs> Hotel Bar. What is the deal there? It seems like an interesting project. I don't think I fully understand it. Yeah. So the owners want to redevelop it. And essentially, I guess the easiest way to understand it is they want to build two buildings. Hmm. And one building would have 100 condos and those would be allowed nightly rentals. And anytime that is mentioned around here, there's obviously pushback yeah. as to what you know Airbnb has done to this place in the last half decade. But they've said, you let us build these 100 condos and let us have nightly rentals there, which raises the property value of those condos. And then in this other building, we can build 150 affordable units that can serve our workforce. And hmm. I, I find that to be a very that's certainly a new financial mechanism I haven't seen put into place in a project. And I, I feel like there's could be a future there with that. You could certainly see it in other places. Yeah, it's a little Robin Hood. Mm -hmm. But I wonder how the people paying luxury prices to stay there. Well, I guess, yeah, you're right, because they wouldn't be permanent housing. They'd just be staying the night. What do they know? Yeah, well, yeah, you could live there. But I feel like whenever things up here can be turned into nightly rentals, they usually are. <laughs> yeah. Once again, the profit margins are just silly. Yeah. Has it been a battle getting these kinds of projects on the table in Park City or do residents at this point just kind of accept it as their fate? You know, I think this place has certainly been scarred on some level. I think when you go back to 2002 and the Olympics and mm -hmm. how it was exposed to the world and then you see how much this place has changed in 20 years. So, I, I, you know, there's been a lot of surveys I've seen of city residents where growth and development is like hands down number one concern. Mm -hmm. I, you know, with Homestake, I be honest, the opinion was overwhelmingly in favor of it and very cheerful of it. And I know there huh. were some nearby residents that were a little critical of it, but they just said, you know, we just think this project's a little too big. Hmm. But outside of that, it was a lot of endorsement. That's interesting. But if you leave city limits and go out to the county, it can get a little different. Well, also people outside of the city, I think, have a little bit more trauma with like being annexed and moved around and they they don't feel like they're in on the conversation as much. So maybe they they have to throw down their stake a little bit harder. For sure. Because Park City, 
you know, their influence and the decision making there extends beyond city limits, to put it simply. Money talks. Mm -hmm. It does feel like as Salt Lakers down here, like looking up at Park City, the winds of change have been stirred up by the Park City Professional Ski Patrol Association. Their showdown with Vail last year, like... I mean, more than anything, it just garnered a lot of attention and a lot of aggression from people who supported them and wanted to basically go to battle with Vail. We know that this housing crisis, as you pointed to, is basically something that's going to become a labor crisis if it hasn't already. Do you think organized labor is the future of Park City's affordability sort of battle? I don't know if there's a huge connect there, but I think it's symbolic. Hmm. Certainly. I know a lot of the Vail employees and specifically the Lyft mechanics that are voting to unionize. Yeah. The concern has been around, I think, mostly respect, hmm. you know, in regards to wage compression, mostly. You have people that have been there five years and are really committed and always come back and they're not getting paid much more than the J-1 visa workers that are coming in from Argentina for just a couple months. Yeah. So I think a lot of it has to do with that. But, you know, at the same time, I think the affordability crisis in town does force people to say, you know what, I think I should be getting paid more. Mm-hmm. And so there, there is certainly some connect in it there. Yeah. All right. Last question for you. Scale of one to 10, as a resident and a reporter, how optimistic are you feeling about all of this, about these three projects on the table and just the general direction? I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that. You know, I'm going to make you pick a number. It's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> Let's go five. Let's go straight down the middle because... There's a lot of work that needs to be done. And for a place that really relies on a strong workforce to make the town just work and function, I don't think it's meeting those needs whatsoever. And I think, you know, skier days, when you look at how many more people are skiing and how much busier this place is getting, and it doesn't seem to like it's going to really cool down too much, the demand for workforce is only going to grow. And I read about Salt Lake, right? I read how you have worker shortages down there as well. Totally. And I don't think, I think if they don't address these issues up here, I don't know why someone would drive up that canyon right. 45 minutes to come work up here if they can get paid the same down in Salt Lake. Yeah. Well, and they might not even be able to take the bus because we can't even afford bus drivers down here to get people up the canyon. Like our our routes are being cut. So yeah, I mean, we're in some of the same ways, we're feeling it day to day. Totally. And I do want to give a quick PSA about the bus that High Valley Transit, Summit County's transportation arm is going to stand up a Salt Lake City bus. By the time UTA, the cuts go into effect, I believe it's the 12th yeah. of December. They're planning to, they just voted yesterday to approve it. So they are planning to substitute that route and they may, may potentially take it over fully um, after this winter. Well, thanks you guys. <laughs> Honestly, big win for us. Parker, thank yeah. you so much for your time. It's been a great time talking to you. Yeah. Good luck up much. there. And happy ski season. Happy ski season. All right, before we go, check this story out. In 2019, some Park City Mountain employees were getting wild at the old Jupiter Bowling Alley in Kimball Junction. The employees were bowling recklessly, you know, spinning balls, throwing them down the alley, etc., When a pin got stuck in a gutter, Jupiter Bowl employee Amy Herzog went down the alley to fix it. And while she was making the repair, one of the Park City employees, some guy named Joe Ellis, yeeted a bowling ball down the alley and it crushed Amy's left hand. She has had to have three surgeries and has been told she will never regain full use of her hand. Now, 
Who's at fault here? Well, Amy Herzog's lawyers said it's Joe Ellis's employer, Vail Resorts. And here's why. Because the Park City Mountain employees threw down a company card to pay for their night out at the bowling alley. And last week, a jury more than agreed with Amy's lawyers. They awarded her $2.25 million and is sending Vale the bill. This is a Parker story. And if you want to read the whole thing, I linked it in the show notes. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Okay, here's the deal. We currently have 128 reviews in Apple Podcasts, which is lovely. But my goal is for us to have 150 reviews by Thanksgiving. Can you help me make my dreams come true? It only takes a minute, I promise. Jot something down. And in the meantime, we will be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Bye.